Okay, got it. All right. Um, so I've uh, been spending the last few days, because we talked about last time um, uh, about action and, you know, actions having mixed results. And, and so I've been spiraling down that. When, when should I take action? Should I ever take action? You know, I think I, I, I had a pretty lazy um, <coughs> disposition, I think, you know, I, I only want to do things if, 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 you know, I, I usually don't want to do anything. And so I would think I thought a lot about that and just sort of and meditated and, you know, did a lot of sitting. And really all I wanted to do is that I like desire is not a big thing for me anymore. So I just did a lot of sitting and um, a lot of just uh, pondering and meditating, you know, kind of both. But then, so, um, so my, we ha I had a lot of work to do today and, and my kid's been watching too yeah. much TV and he was going crazy. And I was like, this is enough of this. I'm going to, I turned the TV off and I was like, I'm going to play with you. And so I started playing with him and I'm like, you know, what, what is holding me back from really fully enjoying this? You know, what, what, you know, it's like, it's, there's just something, something there hanging on. I'm still, I'm not fully enjoying this. And, and then I started thinking about, you know, when I'm really in the moment, I'm meditating and I'm waiting for those experiences and I'm waiting, I'm really thinking back to that first experience I had that it gave me all that energy. It was just like it blew out my system and I had all this energy and I had a and I was like, what, what's holding me back from that? And, and then it was like, nothing, this is nothing. The, 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 really at that point, it's the meditator. It's delineating the meditator from, from the rest of my life. And, <laughs> and then I was like, screw the meditator, you know, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and just that simple. And, and it, it's like the energy was always there, you know, but I was just holding myself back from it for some reason. And so, okay, I uh, I don't know. here's my kid. Mm -hmm. So, yep. <laughs> Sorry. He doesn't know about the camera, huh? No. Showing the showing the look. Look. <laughs> Whoa. Hi, Papa. Hey, 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 Papa. Hi, Papa. All right, buddy. All right. So we were left at that point when you decided that 
you you didn't have to conform to any preconceived ideas about how to behave and therefore you didn't have anything to stop you from playing with your child and enjoying yeah, just completely like like it just like a kid you know really thinking about it you know and uh and uh and just that's so simple it's so it was a, that last it was so simple it, it's just it's it's not I, I don't, I don't even, it seemed, it's, it didn't even, it's, I was waiting for an event, you know, an event to happen, like another one of those events that, that, and then I have the energy and I'm dependent on the event to happen. And, uh, and, but this was like, no, you don't need an event. You don't need a meditator. You don't need to meditate. You don't, you just need to be here right now, right now. And, and then, and, um, and there's no, no, nothing better, you know, um, on a, on another level. And, uh, but it didn't, it, it, like in the past when I had the event and I had the energy and I was dependent on the event, this feels like, an insight, something that is, you know, I, once you know it, you can't, it, you can't forget it. You know, it's like, uh, and that energy piece, I feel like was that thing that I, I, I wanted because I've always felt like laziness, like some sort of inherent laziness. And, and that feeling, I was thinking about it when I was going to work today that transition from sitting to going to work and how I didn't dislike that transition, that there was some suffering there, but I never, I like my work. I like doing my work. I never feel bad after my work. So I don't, so I was like, why, why do I not, what's there that there's, there's, there's what's there that is keeping, that's still making me dislike this, and then it's nothing, you know, it's, it's nothing. You reminded me of something that was, um, it was kind of an important point in my life. So when I look back upon it, 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 uh, it doesn't seem important at all, but, um, basically throughout Throughout my early working career, I would generally have an anxiety attack on Sunday evening. And when I was and when I was in uh, uh, counselor training and, and uh, group psychotherapy and whatnot, I uh, I figured out what it was. And that was on Sunday evenings when I was in high school, I was in a three-way um, dilemma every week because I had not done my homework yet. And so here it is Sunday night and I've got homework to do. 
My favorite TV programs are on TV, and mom insists that we go to church unless I can figure out a way out of it, which was not going to happen. So um, that uh, combination, especially the issue of the anxiety, came from uh, the homework not getting done. And when I put put that together and understood that that was that was a habit that, that had gotten developed because of old behaviors and old circumstances, and those circumstances don't exist anymore. But here I am, I'm out, out working away from school, no homework, no mommy's telling me I can't watch this or that, and no church to go to. <laughs> and yet, that old residual anxiety was still there. But when, when I recognized that as uh, uh, that the anxiety, in fact, was ridiculous, actually, to have those held over feelings. And yet, um, they were there, um, noticeable, but undealable. Couldn't deal with them, didn't know what to do until through the work that we were doing, I figured out what it was. And so then, finally, I'm giving myself permission to do what I would like to give every meditation student permission to do, is to relax and take a deep breath and forget about the anxiety, because whatever the current new anxiety that people have, it's probably irrelevant to the present moment, that it's something out of the past. <laughs> yeah. For me, I, 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 that's like my childhood. <clears throat> I hated school. I hated school. And I was, um, for many reasons, I moved schools when I was in fourth grade and it was really traumatic. I, I got off to the wrong foot, you know, right off the bat. And, um, I know mm -hmm. about that. You say it happened in the fourth grade? <clears throat> yeah, and and something happened. It was like the second day of school, and uh, the all the boys were, like, chasing girls, and they were like, you want to chase these girls? And so I said, okay. I was trying to join the group, and I started chasing them. And there was one girl who was, like, <clears throat> I, f I felt really bad. She was, like, social poison everybody hated her for some reason and somebody saw me chasing her and they said you like so and so <laughs> and then I that that carried <laughs> until I was in eighth grade you know until it's it the stupidest thing but um and that stigma carried with me and and I just never and I lived way out in the country and I didn't have any friends around there so I was really isolated, and so I had to find my little cocoon out in the country and isolate myself there with TV and, you know, computer, and <clears throat> and so I would, and, and it's very clear that that's where it came from, and I would, you know, deeply dread going to school, and it's that same, it's that same feeling, um, 
when I have a job or something like that, that transition from going to the job, even though school, even though my job isn't anything like that, you know. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you say that this happened to you in the fourth grade, that you changed schools in the fourth grade and that that yeah. was a hard time for you. Mm -hmm. um, every kid has traumas in school. It's surprising that kids even survive school. But there's a lot of traumas in school, and some of us have more traumas than others. A lot of kids have traumas because the schools themselves are not any good. You and I have the experience of the rural South, but um, most of the kids that go to school are going to really, really bad schools uh, in bad neighborhoods, uh, racial inequalities, and all kinds of things. The, the school systems in the United States, um, I think, are intentionally messed up. But I yeah. remember when I was a kid that uh, when, when you mentioned about moving, uh, did I tell you the story that my dad <clears throat> moved a lot? That uh, when I was um, seven, my grandfather died. No, when I was six, my grandfather died. By uh, Within two years, my mom had convinced my dad to go move out of Oklahoma into North Carolina, which is where her home was, because when my dad died, there was really no family left in Oklahoma. Uh, so, um, uh, they moved and my dad then had trouble getting a job. And when he did, it was a job that moved him from place to place. So I was in Shawnee, Oklahoma until the age of, uh, I was in the third grade. Now we'll go by grades rather than age. Uh, um, then at the end of the third grade, Going into the fourth grade, we moved to Charlotte. So I was in Rock Hill, South Carolina, in the third grade. First two grades were in Oklahoma. Then uh, in the fourth and part of the fifth grade in Charlotte, and then my dad got a job, and that job first took him to Rock Hill, excuse me, Fort Mill, South Carolina, which was back across the border, uh, and was in uh, there for half of the fifth grade and the sixth grade. Then to Sheraw, South Carolina, seventh grade uh, um, and eighth grade. And then to Abbeville in the uh, ninth and tenth grade and to Dillon in the tenth or the eleventh and twelfth grade. So I was in seven different schools. Now, what that did to my life, basically, I'd been on the road ever since. I could possibly say that this house that I'm in now, I have been in this house longer than any other house I've ever lived in, except perhaps the first one. But we lived there until I was about, let us say, close to the uh, end of the seventh, not quite eight years old yet. Mm -hmm. So I spent about eight years in that house, and we've been here about eight years. But I've never spent that long anywhere. Wow. 
but I spent three, four years in uh, California, four years in Michigan, four years in Texas, been all over the place. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Been in Washington. Uh, Did you get used to it as a as a kid, or the moving? Actually, I do remember that when Dad came to announce that we're moving again, that in many cases uh, that was a relief, yeah. rather than carrying uh, uh, me away from what was I thought was good. It was that you know, whatever comes next is not going to be as bad as this hellhole. <laughs> In fact, the whole family felt that way in Chiron, South Carolina. My mother couldn't wait to get out of the place. Yeah. But in every place that we went, there was racism, there was bigotry, there was uh, fear of outsiders. Uh, and so generally the friends that I was able to make were friends that were all were also new in the vicinity and outsiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the way that uh, things had done that way. But um, I can't claim that my childhood traumas were any worse than anybody else's childhood traumas because children go through too much. Yeah. And we it's carry traumatic. too much. It's traumatic. And we carry the baggage. The, the, the school system is set up like, you know, it's like a, you know, it's like a slot. I, I don't, it's a, it's a conveyor belt, you know, and it, and it, and it's, there's no attention paid to your, to your feelings or, or anything that's going on inside. It's like you're packaged up, you're, you're shoved in the school and you're there until three o'clock and you come out, you know, and that's that, you know. And if if you had, you know, some sort of traumatic day and, and you don't know how to deal with anything socially, yeah. Because I felt like, really just felt like on my own island. And, and the friends I was able to make, they were all outsiders, you know. But they were never really felt completely like my friends i always felt like you know people kids were using me feeling kids who were used to feeling like outsiders generally even though they collect together birds of a feather but they never quite learn how to make friends because they've never been taught <laughs> and so here you have a bunch of educated kids that want to be friends but they don't really know how and they're also afraid and anyway yeah they're afraid of each other they won't quite let them in yeah and and there's part of me that's always had a distrust you know of people you know and just um, feeling like uh, someone was trying to use me you know because I, I I think I went through a, a stage when I got out of high school where I did make a lot of friends and, um, and I, I was very naive and I was very, I was very 
outgo. I mean, I, I had an outgoing side to me that liked to make people laugh. In certain mm-hmm. situations, I could be, you know, the center of attention. But, and so when you, when you, when that happens to you and you're sort of the center of attention momentarily, but you can't figure out how to integrate that into your life, it's, yeah. it could, you know, it, it, it sets, it sets a, you set a standard for yourself that you can't live up to, you know, you set a standard for yourself and, and, and then you don't, yeah, you and, you know, there was lots of drugs and, you know. But well, anyway, you know, we all do that. Everyone, yeah. here's, here's the thing. That it, we go around because it's part of our um, instinctual nature, wanting to get along, uh, uh, going along and getting along. It's a very natural uh, tendency. And so we tend to then we go around picking up rules about how to do things. Mm-hmm. And if we keep getting enough rules about how to do things, we begin to start building a very, very high bar with all of these rules in there. And then naturally, we can't make that high bar that the child himself has created out mm-hmm. of all of the, uh, the right rules, rituals, and everything that he's been given, but we somehow construct an even higher bar than uh, is needed or necessary. And so um, some people will just give up. They'll give up. uh, Some of them will give up in disgust and others will give up in despair. uh, And that the ones who go into despair then will just be stuck in that system. But the ones who become disgusted wind up being quite rebellious. And we all kind of go through a rebellious state that we want to, uh, we wind up, it looks like that we're rebelling against society and rebelling against daddy. Because that is just adding a new rule, where in fact what we're rebelling against is the fact that we feel like a failure because we can't meet the standard that we created with all of the stuff that we've been told to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we get into that kind of mentality and dialogue as a kid, guess what? Even when the circumstances completely change, like they are for you now, things are not like for you not like anything like they were when you were in school. So why do we have to go around feeling the way we felt in school? <laughs> the answer is, is that we need to see that stuff, to wake up to it, and to recognize how inappropriate it is for us to feel the way that we uh, feel when we, in fact, have choice <laughs> about how we're going to feel. And part of it, I is is, you know, you're you're you're, yeah, you you create you create the, you know, you ignore the problem, or you create you, you know you 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 blind yourself to the real problems. I mean, I can see that clearly now. How many times mm-hmm. I've just blinded myself because I didn't want you know. I didn't want to do that English assignment and, 
it's and and I got or it's not even really the traumatic events. I remember the traumatic events clearly, but it's the the all of the mentality that led to the traumatic events that you block out or or you know it's almost like that uh, um as we forget things the thing that we wind up having the deepest in the memory is the stuff that impacted us most which was our own feelings mm-hmm and so even though we no longer remember the situation or we remember it vaguely, we do remember how we felt in that situation. And so we use that feeling as an example, go around feeling that same way in different situations. It it's like you wrap the memory in, you wrap the memory in, a, in an emotion uh, until, until you can't see the memory anymore. And it, right. Yeah. Exactly. Unless you do the research and you can sit down and think about it and can come up with this kind of uh, psychological archaeology, especially when the mind is really green. However, <laughs> the good news is, is that we don't even have to do that. <laughs> mm hmm. That in fact we can just begin to wake up to how we feel, knowing that it didn't matter how we got into the habit of feeling this way. We don't have to go back and do that archaeology. We can just deal with that feeling as it is right now and recognize I don't have to feel like this. I can feel like, in your case, playing with the kid right now. Let me let's, let's go. Let's stop being. Um, uh, uh, doing what we used to do and feeling what we used to do, let's go ahead and, and enjoy the moment. Yeah, and it, and, and it, it turned that corner where, where used to I would, there would be an event, and then I start cognizing the event, and then I can't stop, and then I'm, and then that becomes a sort of an obsessive thing of the meditator where he's, he's trying to, or I'm trying to, um, I don't know, make myself feel better about, uh, whatever event. Oh, I must be at this level or I must be whatever, whatever the meditator is, is thinking about, about whatever just happened, you know? And, and that becomes this obsessive thing that the, this is just a reflection. Like I can immediately see it's like a, it's a reflection. It's like it's an immediate reflection in the moment when something happens. There's an immediate reflection and that it refracts and you don't have to you don't have to pay attention to the refraction. It, you know, it's it's it right. just the moment is here. That's the pure thing. That's the light. And then the and then the, the refraction is is just happening you know and it's it's not really worth paying attention to uh, unless you know unless you need to i mean i yeah. the way that I, I understand the words that you're using i would rephrase that into this into the situation of that we can basically see what's going on now without having to re respond or react to that 
the way that we used to feel. Yeah. That we can actually uh, respond to the situation that we're having right now with the situation that we're having right now and have the feelings associated with the situation we're having right now rather than uh, the feelings that, that we're carrying from the past. And that can be seen on a momentary basis really easily. If, um, if two people are having an argument and one of them leaves that argument, he's still pissed off and he's going to give that argument or, or that anger to the next person he meets. Instead of meeting that person in the here now and be happy to see them, he's carrying over the anger that he had three, four, five, ten minutes ago. Yeah. And so when we talk about letting go, that's basically what the real letting go is all about. The letting go is the let go of feelings from the past. Uh, Whether that passed for 10 minutes or 10 years. Or three seconds. Or 30 seconds, if you're smart. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Then things do happen pretty fast. In fact, 30 seconds in a meditator's time is a long time. There's a whole lot of stuff happening going on in 30 seconds. Well, that's time for at least a full breath or two. <laughs> I, I think, I think, and I, when I started getting into, yeah, when I started getting interested in, in doing meditation, I would read so many things of monks saying like, oh, lay people can't, you know, they can't do, um, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, being a monk is a special position, um, but it almost made it seem like an impossible task for someone with two kids, you know, like you're never going to be able to find enough clarity to, if you have this busy life, but I feel like you can, you can leverage it. If you I don't really think embrace that it. the wise people say that kind of thing. Yeah. Which means that I don't think that you're going to hear that from an old wise monk. Okay. Who, who you will hear that from is your standard, ordinary, read a book or two on the Dhamma kind of opinion. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people out there with very little drama and a whole lots of opinions about it. Yeah. And so um, there's basically a, uh, a certain amount of research that needs to be done. Um, some people will read a book and like that book and then like the author. And so they get... Um, let us say, attuned to that author and to read and read and read that author. An example would be Thich Nhat Hanh um, or um, in any group. Jack Cornfield would be another. People really like Jack's books. Uh, and so uh, the, the point that I'm making, though, is that, first off, no one has just one teacher. We all have had many, many teachers. You probably had more formal teachers than you can even remember their names. Yeah. And 
And and uh, when you're in high school, you have three or four or five teachers mm-hmm. every year. When you're in college, you may have three or four or five teachers every semester. And so now look at all the number of actual formal teachers that we've had. But somehow in, uh, in the religious world, there's like so few uh, teachers around. Like when you go to the church, the, te- the preacher is the only teacher there. Everybody else is Sunday school teachers, but no, they're not really teachers. They're, um, so we get this kind of guru mentality going of who's my guru. But really, every student should have quite a lot of sources. Now, the next point that I would point in that direction is looking for unity among all of this diversity that I'm recommending. Mm-hmm. In the sense that uh, on the internet, you will find a lot of different people saying a lot of different things about uh, the teachings of the Buddha. And that uh, people will then get into arguments about that where none of them are going to go take the time that it takes to do a really good literature research about it. Uh, and one of the, on uh, some Reddit or another I've seen recently uh, or heard about actually an argument over gladdening the mind as being too much work. And yet, if any of them had gone and actually read the suttas and figured out what teachers are teaching it and what it's all about, there wouldn't be any argument at all. Everybody would just agree, yes, gladdening of the mind is a very useful thing to do. Mm -hmm. But instead, there's a lot of argumentation about it with no one having any good results and everyone keeping their own opinion. Now, that's just one example, and I can think of probably a hundred different examples of that in in uh, the teachings of the Buddha. Uh, So that, you know, we're really, really lucky now. 30 years ago and before, we did not have good translation. We did not have the internet. We did not have a lot of um, the resources that are available to students now. The only way that you had of getting uh, close to a new teacher was on a bus or on a book. <laughs> and so, yeah, we've traveled around. I've been all over Asia looking for various Asian teachers. And I settled on Sikhs with Adasa because I could tell because of all of the other stuff that I had put together that I had finally come to something that is worthwhile saying that. And this is something that I recommend to all of the students uh, to look around, get familiar with a, a lot of different things so you can begin to understand deeply what the Buddha was getting at so that these yeah. students can come to uh, develop their own practice, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Knowing yeah. that what the, what the real job is what the real skills are that, that are needed. And, and including this uh, point about uh, understanding our feelings well enough to know that we do not have to uh, live 
according to the feelings that we're used to uh, having out of habits from the past. But in fact, we can change the way we feel. Yeah. And, but yeah. We, and, and when I say that, it, it, almost everybody says, wait a minute, that's hard to do. Well, it is if you don't have the skill. Right. We have to think, develop. Yeah, go ahead. I think that what, uh, for me, was best about your approach is that there were a lot of people I was listening to who were talking about philosophy, essentially. You know, it was it was philosophy, and it was adding concepts, and it was the concepts were intriguing, very intriguing, and that's what you know really got my attention. Like, because I had been doing meditation, and then I I heard some some things from some people that really got me interested about non-duality, and then, but then you you the your approach there's there's it's non it's you don't get into conceptual anything you you're just fully practice based and that's and and you never gave me that where when i came in as a student at the beginning i wanted that i wanted uh some something conceptual i wanted you to give me something conceptual but you you, it's like you need i don't know if you know that you're doing it or not or if that's just this style but i never it, you you get just gave me practice which is what i needed not what not what i wanted i find that um interesting and amusing because i don't um though i try to find out what a student needs and give give them that and i don't really tend to keep track of it but i will say that i have recently seen uh, a post in Reddit from one of the students who was telling another student on Reddit that Damarato is not giving him enough practice stuff. <laughs> <So big. laughs> well, we—I mean, we can talk. We can talk around things and 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 all of this, but and we're talking about gladdening the mind and very simple things. Um, but as far as let's say like mm, other practices like Dzogchen or or something like that, where there's a lot of discussion about philosophy, of metaphysics, and all of this, that's very interesting. But for me, that's an interesting hook. But I don't. It it, it wasn't going to get me there. It wasn't going to get me okay. to gladdening the mind, but it did very much interest me. But then I you understand just, you just saying, said right. you just said follow the breath, and I and that's what I needed to hear. You know. Okay, so let's look at it from this perspective then. What I uh, have the intention of teaching is the 